Who can tell what makes phones happy? Oh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm an owl. <laughs> That's very good. Thanks. It's Earl. Earl the owl. He's a resident in the, you know. Oh, of course he is, yeah. Resident in the, the virtual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The virtual campfire clearing. Yeah, I haven't seen Earl in ages. I know. He's still about, yeah. you know, just doing his owly thing. Well, he just stays up there, doesn't he, in the canopy. Yeah, just chills out. Swoops down every now and then, frightens somebody senseless, and then swoops away again. Well, you know how it is. Sorry. Excuse you. It's late night in the uh, virtual campfire clearing. Are we just like, are we getting to the kind of chilly out portion of the night there? I think are we you are. Just kind of in the sort of like, yeah, you know what? I'm in that good kind of place. Yeah, we're kind of doing the mellow now. Yeah. You know? Well. So, um, while I sleep, Suzanne's going to do a frith cast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Welcome. To episode 92 of Frithcast. 92? We are... 92! Your hosts. My name is Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of knowledge. Now we are 92. Some of it's useful. By A.A. Milne. <laughs> the 92 acre wood, it doesn't quite yeah, sound doesn't right, quite, does it? No. 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 Um... It's sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Um, it's all right, hon. But yes. They're used to it by now. Yeah, I suppose they are, really. I've, yeah, I've definitely got a cold coming. That's going to be a nuisance. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm Kate. I'm the other one. Um, <laughs> well, that's about it, really, isn't it? I mean, I've not got much more to offer than that. Get off! <laughs> uh, I'm Kate. I'm the other one. I live here. So I tend to join in with the frith casts because otherwise it makes it really awkward and I have to like go out and walk around the neighbourhood for <laughs> like like 40 minutes while you record it. <laughs> and it's cold out there. It is cold out there. It's much warmer around the virtual campfire. Which is definitely where we are. Speaking of which, hello lovely listeners. Hello. Welcome around the virtual campfire. Come and settle in, pull up a log, warm your knees, grab a coffee and or drink of choice. We're into the mellow kind of chilly out part of the day. Marshmallows. And those. Leave one for Earl. Yeah, leave one for Earl. But uh, yeah, so um, here we are. It's a lovely night. It's a little nippy out there, but you know, we're, we're, we're here. It's warm, it's toasty. Um, yeah. Crackly, crackly. Um, I'll put in some extra crackles. That's, that'd be good. Um, just for ambiance. 
Well, um, up here in the northern that's, hemisphere... That's your actual French. It possibly is. Carry on, sorry. Okay. Up here in the northern hemisphere, it's starting to go from late summer into autumn. So the temperatures are dropping. We're starting to get autumn rains. We've already had a couple of little tiny tester frosts mm -hmm. coming in. They've had a go. I've had to scrape the car a couple of times. So, which we definitely don't keep in the virtual clearing. Oh, definitely not. No. No. No, that's down in the hangar with the with the with the spaceships, down the hill. That's okay. I need plausible deniability. Okay, no, it's fine. Okay, but as long as you know where it is, that's cool. You, it's in the hangar, down the out of the clearing. Down yeah. the path, down the hill, down towards the beach. But before you get to the beach, there's the big building on the on the on the right. The one that looks like it's got a wee little tree painted on the front to try and disguise it. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, very I know that one. it's very convincing. It is. You if you're not Beautifully looking painted tree. If you're not looking, you'll miss it. Wee little scrabby fern. It, it blends. It, it blends for about two and a half foot, <laughs> and then the rest <laughs> of it sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> yeah, but that two and a half foot. Absolutely, we are talking on. camouflage. We are, and that's... I missed that bit. There was a building with a, like a whole tunnel tree bit in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't see that part at all. Yeah, but the, yeah, so that's where we keep the spaceships, the aeroplanes, and the car. Huh. Who knew? Well, and I'm just saying, you know, well out of the area of the the the, the virtual clearing and the woods and everything, and the you know the mystical spaces. It's just up, just down, and then you just go down the end, and there's the jetty where the boats are, and the submarine. We've got a submarine. We've got a submarine. Of course we have. Yeah. I didn't know we had a submarine. Yeah, Frithcast submarine. The Frithcast submarine. Yeah. Have we put a dragon prow like on the periscope tower? We haven't. That could be kind of cool. That's going to cavitate like a monster. But yeah, we could. We we could. We'll take yeah. Take it off when we submerge. We could have it retractable. Yeah. We could have, we could have a dragon prow made out of the thing. Do you remember the film Stargate? Yeah, ish. Right, the film, not the TV version, because the TV version didn't have the budget. So when the 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 gold, or well, they weren't called that in the film, but whenever they're um, the not they weren't they weren't even the gold. The the whole Horus helmet thing. Uh, going yeah, on. the Horus yeah, yeah. helmet things. Yeah, yeah. They they kind of in the film in the TV series they just kind of snap back and out of the yeah, way because yeah. um, they didn't have the budget but in the film it was all proper like CGI unfolding up and yeah. it could do that it could you see I was just thinking when we surfaced in the submarine mm. and your wee little periscope tower goes up out the central tower thing yeah yeah you just put a dragon prow on that yeah and then when you submerge you take the dragon prow off so you don't frighten anybody under the water sounds good yeah because it's under the sea you don't want to be upsetting people it's it's Barmy and tranquil. I was going with little, the singing lobster thing. I was going to say with little dancing. Yeah. I was going to say dancing crabs, but there's a wee little lobster thing singing songs under there, and it's kind of yeah. Okay, I'm going to come back to the campfire now. So, yes. Back to the point. It is autumn. It is kind it of cold. It is starting to do autumn things up here in the northern hemisphere, and that is the time in the sagas that the draugr start walking is early autumn or all the way through winter and then they kind of go back into the spaces late want, winter beginning of spring i want you to step back a little bit 
I'm not stepping back. I'm sat in the log. I'll fall off. Don't fall off. Okay. Mentally step back. Step back in the sentence to the bit where you said the Draugr walk thing. Yeah. The what now? <laughs> okay. The Draugr. The Draugr. This is what I want to talk about is the Draugr often listed in the sagas as a type of Norse undead. Zombies. Kind of. Olaf the zombie. Yes and no. But yes, we'll go with Olaf the zombie. Okay, no, so... Or, or doesn't have to be Olaf. Could be anything. Eric. Eric the zombie. Yeah. Ood right. the tiny zombie. Ood the tiny zombie. <laughs> not Ood, no. No, not Ood. Ood is never going to be a zombie. He's going to get buried in an ice barrow and chill himself out for the rest of whatever he's doing. Fair enough. So... Tell me about them. Becoming a draugr is one of the myriad of things that can happen to um, somebody from the Norse world that dies. That It's a thing that happens after death. Right. And becoming a draugr is what happens to greedy people or cruel people or people who are very jealous in life or who hoard their wealth or they become a type of undead after they die, a draugr. Okay, so, I mean, I'm, I may be reading too much into this, but in, in, in sort of, um, uh, what shall I say, parapsychological terms, in, in like, um, like legends of ghosts and things, they often say that it's because they, they haven't let go of something, they're still bound yeah. to a particular thing or a particular place mm, because yeah. of some... I mean, is it fair to say... Because it sounds like it's the same sort of thing. As I've got all this material wealth and I, I can't bring myself to let go of it's it. So kind I kind of that. It's more based in jealousy for the living. Okay. The living get to enjoy their halls and get to enjoy all the mead and the fine things and they're chilling out and the draugr want to keep having that. So they are people who were... People don't tend to invite zombies to big feasts, though, do they? <laughs> They don't. We're going to get onto that. Don't okay. worry. So their name in Old Norse is something like, and my pronunciation is terrible, Aptganger, the, the, the again walker. I was going to say, I know Ganger. Yeah, to walk. From Because I know from um, <clears throat> Doppelganger. Yes, and which also is the, a double walker. after Ganger Glay. Yeah, indeed, and Gangway. Yeah. If we're, going, go. if we're going all that way, yeah. So the, the word means like again walker. Okay. So somebody who has been alive, has died, has got back out because they're just uh, cruel or nasty or jealous or really greedy. They just person. will not be said, basically. They will not be said. And so they have to be killed, in inverted commas, a second time. Okay. And the rituals for doing that are quite elaborate. All right. And we're going to come on to some of those later on as well. So they live in their grave spaces mm. and they guard them okay now a draugr will actually is a type of undead because there is more than one we'll get onto that don't worry okay <laughs> a, a draugr is a type of undead that can actually leave their grave space and go into nearby lands right into nearby houses into nearby settlements Oh, so they can come into our spaces. Oh, yeah. But they guard their grave spaces so we can't go in there. Yeah, they're really grumpy. 
They do not like visitors, especially unannounced ones with big pointy swords. Lucky I wouldn't want to visit them. I don't want to go in somebody's grave space. <laughs> so they they often affect the draugr in the in the sagas. They will often affect the lands around them with that kind of cranky temper they've got going on. So there's a saga where uh, it's said that in this particular, what they call a bowl barrow. So it's like a barrow is like a big mound of dirt. Yeah. So generally in a barrow, you've got a, a space in the centre of it. Some of them have a ship in. Yeah. Some of them have a room built in them. Some of them have quite a big, like almost a square grave that's stone lined. And then there's a wood roof put on. Yeah. So it's like a little mini house. Yeah. yeah. And... A bowl barrow is where you've got a barrow space, but instead of a mound, you've got like a, a pond, like a ditch. Okay. So there's one who is said to inhabit a bowl barrow so that when birds fly over the top, they die because his influence radiates. Ooh. And he's very cranky. And there's also another one where it's said that if cattle go near his grave, they're driven mad. Okay. So it's like there's a serious, like, you know, harsh vibe coming off yeah, these yeah. spaces. Yeah. They are corporeal, but they have the ability to travel through the earth. Okay. So in one particular saga, somebody is squaring off against a draugr and the draugr drops into the earth. Yeah. And goes straight down. Not into a hole. Just into the ground. Just straight into the ground. That is cheating. <laughs> I don't think these play fair, hun. No. <laughs> Some of the sagas make very big difference between land draugr, yeah. who come out of barrows, and sea draugr. Okay. Who are vengeful people who drown. I saw them on... In um, the sea, doing sea kind of things. There was an episode of Doctor Who... Yeah. Uh, I'm talking old Doctor Who. I'm talking like, you know, before we they reanimated it, as it were. <laughs> um, it was Sylvester McCoy mm. and Sophie Aldred. And they did a they did a story with and it was set in Norway, I think. Um, like Sons of Fenrir or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it had Norse a lot of... Kind of undead coming out the sea thing going on. Yeah, it had yeah. a lot of kind of um, vaguely Norse-esque... Viking sort of but 1980s retro styly but 1980s retro yeah. styly but that was that was about like undead coming out of the sea wasn't it yeah so these are mean nasty undead okay and the they can appear in dreams for the living they can uh, like i've said they can kill livestock yeah they can go after people in the same way Okay. They can kill, like, the the stories of them killing shepherds and killing shepherds' livestock overnight. So the shepherd goes to defend them and he gets killed as well. And then he rises as a draugr. Oh, that's... Not good. That's a bit vampiric. Just a little bit vampiric. Yeah. Lots of connections with vampires. Yeah. Because they go after blood and they also, like, will eat flesh. They'll eat animals. Okay. There's a few of the sagas which mention them doing what they call like riding a house. So they'll, if you imagine a house has got like um, a rafters. Yeah. They will sit on top of the rafters on the outside and they will beat the house rafters and rock it so that nobody inside can get any sleep. 
Wow, okay. And they will damage the house by doing that. Right. So they are really, really cranky kind of people. It sounds like they're they're like a they're like several different kinds of 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 sort of traditional folkloric monster all sort of rolled into one. I assume yeah. it's the other way round. I would assume in yeah, a lot of cases um, it's 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 a lot of the, the the sort of separate legends have come from these. Yeah, they're they're a lot of them when you're describing a draugr, they're very very insanely strong. Okay. A lot of them are immune to traditional weapons, which for a Viking was just a total nightmare. Yeah, also cheating. Also cheating. So heroes had to wrestle them. Right. To get them to go away or to get them to go back in their graves, they would wrestle them. So they were kind of on the honour system. It was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrestle you ineffectually. Yeah. But if I can manage to make you fall over <laughs> two or three times, then away. you have to promise to go away and not hurt yeah. anyone. Oh, okay. and they, they, they smell. Did I mention they smell? They well, smell I would imagine really they're, badly. They're dead. Yeah, and they're also... I'm undead, as... not unreasonable. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> they smell and they're either described as corpse pale, so they're like pale grey, or they're dark blue. Okay. So they're all sorts of like mad colours. There's also some sagas that talk about them being able to summon shadows... Ooh. And work out of sight of light. La Sombra. La Sombra. And the other thing they can do is that you get occasional mentions of them turning into a mist or summoning a mist. Oh, to that's... To be able to uh... work in mist. Now, who used to do that? Was that... Tremere couldn't do that, could they? I don't remember. Or the ones with the T and the Z that I can never pronounce. Tsumichi. Tsumichi? Is that how you pronounce the it? skin manipulatory people. The ones that had, um, oh, what was it called? Vicissitude. Uh, yeah, pass. Yeah, they could, yeah. they could, yeah, reshape themselves. Yeah, so they the you do get some tales where they say they can turn into a mist and travel. Mm-hmm. There's somewhere they say that you could, they can turn into, they can literally go into the ground and travel under the ground. Yeah. Which I guess is useful because if you're buried in a barrow, there isn't a door. There isn't usually a door. You just you bury it and you put all your earth on top and you're done. Because presumably you're kind of hoping that whoever you've just buried isn't going to need the door. Isn't going to need the door. Yeah. You were planning on them not needing the door. <laughs> Epic fail. Yeah. They needed the door. So they started developing these ways of putting in precautions to say, we don't want this person to rise up again and be an again walker. Yeah. And they did... Lots of strange things. So you'll see them in sagas saying, well, we hid little sticks or twigs in their clothing. Right. And that's supposed to be a precaution. Of course, archaeologically, we've got no clue that they did that. No. Or that they even did that, or whether they just wrote it down, or whether they were writing down and copying a practice faithfully. Yeah. Or whether they just wrote it down because they thought, this will make a good story, watch this, lads. And we'll not ever do it. The other thing this'll this'll screw with somebody's head in a thousand years time. (laughs) The the other thing they did was that they would take a piece of twine and tie the big toes of the corpse together so they couldn't walk. Oh I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's cruel, but I love it. Yeah. So your draugr goes sits up in the grave mound and goes, Dear gods, I've got such a splitting headache. Which buggers tie 
toes together, fall yeah, over. Fall over, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the ultimate shoelace prank. The problem there, though, is I mean, I don't profess to be a great expert on necrotic physiology. No. Right? But don't toes tend to fall off quite early in proceedings? Because <laughs> these are your big toes. Your big toe falls off, your balance is screwed. I suppose it is. <laughs> I suppose it is, really. So I don't know why they just didn't take the big toes off. But they used to tie them together with a little bit of twine. Well, there were places There were places where to, to, to stop somebody vampiring around the place in the, in the night, you'd cut their feet off. Well, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the other things they used to do was what was called a corpse door. A corpse door. Corpse door. This isn't going to be like filling up your doorway with cats, is it? Because No, it's not a cat door. I haven't got over that yet. <laughs> no, it's not a cat door. It's a corpse door. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure it's any better. Di- but... When somebody dies, they don't have an undertaker. Right. They don't have like a morgue or a special building where you go and put your dead people. Yes. They have their home. So the dead person is generally brought back to their home to be prepared for burial. And... To stop the dead person finding their way back to that home, when they want to take the person out of that home and go and bury them, yeah, they build a corpse door. Right. And they make a new window or a new door in the wall of the house and they take the dead out through that I've wall. A- I've actually heard of this now you're then, describing it. Then they block it up again because the corpse, if they do rise, they can't get back into the house the same way they came out of it. And because they're corporeal, they can't just, like, ghostly, mist, ghostly mist through the wall. Can't do it. Ah, yes. So they build a corpse door. So you get references to them making, uh, having a corpse door. So they will clean the body up, they will put them in new clothes, they'll tie their big toes together, and then they'll knock a big hole in the wall and take the corpse out of the wall and then brick it or, you know, make it back up again. All so right. That your corpse can't get back in All right. the same space. But let's say that we're doing one of those houses where, like, you keep the livestock inside yeah. and everybody bundles together to keep warm. We, yes, and all you that do that. Stuff. Yeah, You've yeah. Got, probably got quite a big family. You've got, like, aunties, uncles, grandparents, whatever, yeah, yeah. kids. All the people doing the Running thing. around the place. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's assume somebody dies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all very sad. Um, lots of drinking, corpse door. Yeah. Take them out, bury them, come home, seal up corpse door. Yeah. What if somebody else dies? Do you have to make a second corpse door? Right. No, I don't know. Or do you just knock the first one through again? Because the problem is the person who's alive, who's just died, was alive when you put the corpse door in, so they know where it is. Yeah. This is like lift up patios for serial killers, isn't it? It's like, can, can you just kind of make a, a sliding door in this space? No, I'm guessing what they'd have to do is make different corpse doors yeah. to get the corpse out. Plus, of course, while you're taking it down to let the second, if you use the same same place in the wall, yeah, right, you take it down again to let the second dead person come through. Yeah. First dead person to sneak back in. Yeah, not good. You not see? Not good, not good. Yeah, so the patient, the dead. <laughs> they build. There are stories in the sagas of them building these corpse doors. Mm. And one of the other things, again connected with doors, is in. Do you remember us talking about Airbigger saga with the ghostly seal whack a mole? Yes, yeah. I do. Like last year, last about this time last year, 
we talked about the ghostly seal whack-a-mole where they had to keep hitting it to make it go away and out of the floor and it came up through the fireplace. Yep, yep. In the same saga, because they are smoking some good stuff in this saga, <laughs> they've got what they call the door doom. The door doom? The door doom. Is and this like dragon sickness? Of, yeah, no, not quite. There's a set of ghosts and they won't leave. Okay. So the people in Airbigger Saga bring them to what they call the door doom, mm. one by one, and they drive them out using legal judgment by pronouncing judgment on them and telling them that they've got to go away. And they do. Okay. They go out. So they get bored by lawyers. That's the other way you can get rid of the dead. I like that, yeah. That appeals to me. The door doom. The door doom, yeah. Yeah, so when you've got a a Give them a dreadful lecture. Yes. Get out! (laughs) I will quote paragraph 12, subsection 3. (laughs) Oh my God, it's not that one I'm going. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, that one. It would work on me. They basically bore them to tears with legal jargon and they go... Same saga as the ghostly seal whack-a-mole. Yeah, okay. When you've got a draugr, there are only certain things you can do to defeat it. Once one's risen, you can take all these precautions you like, corpse door and the tying of the big toes and the all the, the bits of precaution you can take to stop somebody getting up again. But the way that you kill them the second time, you have to do things like decapitation, you then have to burn the body and scatter the ashes on water, so they are definitely not coming back. All the usual vampire all, stuff. All the usual vampire stuff, and it's strange you should mention that. One of the other things that a uh, a draugr is said to have, or some of them are said to have, is that they will have talons or claws for fingers. Okay. Like, they will have long, long... and All of that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. So they can bring... A draugr, when it's kind of took nark, it can bring this temporary darkness with it, mm-hmm. or it can bring a mist for it to work in. Uh, and the other thing you get is that if there is a draugr in a barrow, you get a sign on the outside of the barrow, you get foxfire or mist lights or um, flames sometimes on the graves or on the barrows so that you know there's a draugr in there and you don't go near it. Are we are we on Will of the Wills of the Wisp here? Yeah. Like those but really, really kind of big aggressive ones. Ignis Fatus. Ignis Fatus. So it's kind of an odd thing. Yeah, if you get a draugr it's like you've got to know how to deal with it because no ordinary person can just pick up a sword and go stabby done. No. It takes a hero and it takes special precautions to make sure you don't get one. And when you do get one, you need a hero to come and wrestle them or fight them or subdue them and then deal with it so that you can decapitate them and burn them and scatter the ash on water. Okay. I have a question. Yes. Right. I'm a Viking, okay. not a Viking necessarily, a Norse person, yeah. personage of a of a of a of a northern northern Europe-y persuasion, mm-hmm. right? In this era, okay, mm-hmm. I die. Yeah, it's all very sad. Boohoo. There's there's lots of you know sobbing and mourning and all of that stuff. and all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Things. I don't I don't know. I don't know what they do. Big knees yeah. up, probably. Funerals are for the living. Indeed, yeah. Big knees up, party, lots of drinks. 
do yeah. be fine. Music. Um, anyway, point is, I've I've died, right? Yeah. So, I am taken out through the corpse door. Yep. Yeah. And I am I'm subjected to all this stuff. I've got my toes tied together. Yeah. Only if you are cranky and mean. Well, and, this is and evil you see, and needful. Do you get to? You rise see, this is exactly what driver. I was coming to. Yeah. Because if you're taking all these precautions for your dead relative, yeah, right, you're tying the toes together and you and you do using the corpse door and you yeah, you're yeah. doing all that, right? You're basically saying, we think you were a right twat. <laughs> Not necessarily, because there's there's more types of dead than we have time for in this well, particular episode. So those okay. are more kind of general don't come back rather than just precautions against Draugr. I was just thinking how annoyed you'd be, right? How, how cheesed. Yeah, you turn up at one of the halls. Yeah. Right? Having lived, having lived a perfectly good life, right? You turn up at one of the... You've done lots of kindly things, but you haven't made a fuss about it. You probably have, because I don't know what boasting was, was for. But, you know, but you, you end up in one of the halls. You're looking forward to a perfectly nice serviceable afterlife. Everybody's happy with you, apart from you look down to the land of the living. I don't know whether you can do that, but let's assume you can. Or, or somebody comes scurrying up, right? And they say, Eric, they say, or whoever, right? Eric, have you seen what they've done to you? And I'm like, what? who's done to me? Them down there, your relatives, have you seen what they've done to you? They've taken you out through a corpse door. They've tied your toes together, mm. right? They must think you're an absolute... Not necessarily, no. There's more than one type of undead. Okay. There are benevolent ones as well, but this episode is just focused on Draugr. Ah, you see, that's where you lose uh, me because of a, as being of a, being of a slightly more Roman bent. Yeah. You see, we don't have, we don't have benevolent dead. Yeah, well, yes. Anybody have... who's still hanging oh. around and being... <laughs> is not. Is not benevolent, no. Oh. So, Draugr are very specific, as in they are kind of, they're mean and they're nasty and they take a lot to get them to go away again. Yeah. You get a second, like a subset of Draugr called the Haugbui. Do that again? <laughs> a mound dweller. A mound dweller, okay. And that's like a Draugr, yeah. but he doesn't have a wee little spirit passport. He just stays in his mound and that's his thing, or her thing their thing okay. they just get to stay in that space so they are aware and moving around inside their mound but can't get out of it can't get out or don't want to get out I mean either spirit customs is just not letting them through they're not going anywhere well, they was, just stay inside their space I was going to say if you bury them with like a playstation or something yeah and just you know, chill out they want to I know They've got the equivalent. I mean, they've got a tarful board and some, like, food and drink <laughs> and a loom and they're away, aren't they, really? It's just kind of like Saturday night pizza and tarful. Does it work? <laughs> Does it work? Not really. No. no. So you've got, like, a subset of Draugr. So the Draugr are the kind of the big, mean, nasty ones. They yeah. will break your house rafters they will kill your livestock they're liable to kill people from your settlement if you don't watch what you're doing yeah they've got the whole going into the earth thing they've got the mist thing they've got the shadows thing they're kind of big and grumpy and extra strong and they smell 
I think we've covered yeah covered them pretty pretty thoroughly there. Yeah, you get extra virtual points if you can tell me somebody that we've discussed that matches a shed load of those points. About episode six. Episode. This is episode 92. This is episode 92. Time is circular. What was episode six? Episode six? You want me to look it up because it's going to take me a minute. Anglo-Saxon disco balls. Oh! Oh! Yes! Ah! Uh, oh! Um, Grendel. Grendel. Yes. So he's described when you've got the Anglo-Saxon, when you turn it in, in the Anglo-Saxon, what they call like the glosses. Yeah. They're like uh, a list of Anglo-Saxon words, not necessarily with direct translations, but the words they're associated with. Yeah. So Chadwick looks at the language that's used to describe Grendel. So just as an example of a of a of a of a of a, of a, a gloss, then mm -hmm. you would uh, like the difference between Hades and Hell. Yeah. Very very different concept, but. But similar in a gloss. A lot of people of... now will use the one to mean the other. Yeah. So yeah. in the Anglo-Saxon glossaries, all the words that are used to describe Grendel, mm -hmm. where he lives, what his spirit is like, what he is like as a person, what his physical description is like, they're all to do with words to do with the underworld. They're okay. to do with necromancy. They're to do with like the evil influence of mean, mean spirits. Yeah, yeah. They're all to do with that. He has a monstrous appearance. Yeah. Yeah. He has this great strength. He can pick up 15 warrior sticks at a time. <laughs> crunchy warrior sticks. Crunchy, crunchy warrior sticks. He's got the taloned hands. Okay. That they yeah. will describe as Draugr. Some Draugr will have these talons for hands or yeah. they will have talons on their hands instead of fingernails. That's he, quite a creepy image, actually. Isn't he it? drinks blood and he will eat people, just like a Draugr. Ah. Ah. His home is the Mere. Yeah. Yeah, the marshland. Yeah. And it's described as under a, a great grey stone. And if you look at the the sagas, the underworld, the dwarves, the underlands, the the places of the dead are under great stones. Okay. This is a theme. This is a theme. The mirror, when it's described in Beowulf, has foxfire on it. It has those little globe lights. Ah. Marsh lights, marsh gas, whatever you want to call it. We're them. building up a compelling body of evidence here. Yep. And the other thing is that in the poem, when you get Draugr, it's said that they come from barrows in, in in very specific geographical places. Yeah. So you have a barrow that is in a narrow valley, which is enclosed by mountains and has one pathway out on ground level. Yeah. That's where you get, that's the kind of landscape you get a Draugr in, a dead end valley where the Draugr, where the light doesn't ever hit the bottom. Okay. Where you've got yeah. that shadow and darkness and a little bit of mist going on. Yeah, yeah. That's where your Draugr come from. If you look at the poem Beowulf, that's where the mirror is described as being in a narrow valley where the light doesn't get past the top of the mountains and it's always in shadow. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm going with it. 
He's definitely he's definitely one. Yeah. So Grendel mm-hmm. is driven by envy of the living. He ah. wants to be in Herot. He wants to get into the hall where all the feasting is going on and the cheer and the laughter. I mean, he hates it, but he wants it at the same time. He's envious of it. I could Just make so like many comments on politics right now. Yeah, don't. Um, but um, but you see, the thing is, yeah, he all right. He wants to get in there and share in the revelry and all that kind of he thing. He does, but he can't. Because he goes in and eats the people rather than the food. Yeah, because he's envious of the people. He wants what they have. They are the living. Yeah. And like a drauger, he wants what the living have. And he can't have it. He wants it. He wants to, He can walk into that space, but he's never going to be part of that space. Question. Okay. Right. Now, and I ask this with some... Sincerity, you know, I mean, I, I probably sound like I'm being flippant, but it's a genuine question. Uh-oh. Right? I watch a lot of Star Trek. Okay. okay. I knew we were going to get a Trek reference in here. Of course. Right. <laughs> Thing is, what you're describing to me mm-hmm. are intelligent beings. To a degree, yes. Right. They might be fairly instinctual, but they're still, you know, they've they're, got they're still... some semblance of an yeah. intelligence left. Yeah. Has anybody tried actually talking to them? Doesn't go well. No. No. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, if you know, if you can ally with the Klingons. Yeah. Can you arrange a negotiated settlement with the? Yeah, well, because no. I'm just saying, like, he wants, Grendel wants what they've got. Yes. Right. Now, That's why he goes into the hall in such a jealous rage, because he hates it and he wants it at the same time. And that's the thing. It's like you kind of feel that if at some point somebody could have got in ahead of all this and gone, mate, come in and sit with us and drink with us. And, you yeah. know, have a, we'll get an extra large mug and some chicken on a stick. You're right. Yeah. Me. I mean, granted, yeah. you'd have to make allowances. You'd Just have to make few. accommodations. But I'm saying... You know, if you if you extended that that sort of hospitality and that, you'd have could to it... put like cotton wool on all his talons. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm not body shaming the guy. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, if you can sit down, you know, Vulcan and have a meal with Klingon. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying you'd necessarily be eating the same thing. No. Vulcans are vegetarian. Klingons are so Klingons not are extra not vegetarian. So so unfeasibly not vegetarian. They're almost vegan. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, <laughs> no Vulcan, dear. Vulcan. Yeah, I can see where you get I've confused. Got, yeah, no, wait, I've got. Th- anyway, point oh, is, yes, go on. I want to know if you couldn't. If you couldn't come to some sort of accommodation with these people, for they are people still. And other people too? Exactly, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. No. And I'll tell you for why. Mm. There's a story of two sword brothers, I think. I don't know whether they're actual brothers or whether they're just oath sworn with each okay. other, two men. And they make an oath that if one of them dies, the other one has to sit on their corpse mound for three days and keep them company while they make the long road and die. One of them dies. 
Yeah. So the other one goes, that's all right. I've got my oath. I'm going to bring like my retinue. I'll take my tent up. I've got my hawk and my hound and my banners and my horse. I'll take all my kit. I'll go and honor my mate on his grave mound for three days and three nights. Right. On the first night, the dead man gets up out of his chair in his grave and eats the hawk and eats the hound. Okay. On the second night, the dead man gets up out of his grave and eats the horse. Okay. His mate's horse. Peckish work being dead. Yeah. On the third night, there is no more hawk, hound or horse. And his mate's mates kind of sat there going, well, no, I said I was going to be here for three nights. So three nights I am. Yeah. The dead man gets up and moves so fast that he is on his friend and bites both his ears off. Celerity as well. Yeah. Before his friend can react. Ouch. Yeah. So I'm fairly certain Kitimer Accord is right out the window. <laughs> so all I'm saying, I don't think it's going to work in this case. It's. I just felt it was worth exploring the possibility, that's yeah. all. Well, it sounds... Um, it reminds me a little bit, and I'm not entirely sure why. Well, I, I am, because of the, the, the whole undead resenting the living and not, not being able to have what the living have. It reminds me a little bit of the Velvets in Neverwhere. Do you remember the Neil Gaiman mm, I remember Neverwhere, but I don't think I remember the Velvets. There's a bit where they're at... I think it's... They've just uh, got to Down Street. Hmm. which is a piece of um, a, a, an access way into London below, which is a, hmm. uh, a a big spiral road sort of that goes down into the into the deeps. They get down there and they get they're joined by this this woman, uh, very kind of um, pale and and uh, and what have you. And but she seems OK, but she's she's what they call a velvet hmm. and that she's kind of um, she's a heat vampire. So she's basically, she's a kind of, I don't know whether she is actually undead or, or mm. what, but she, she lives in a state of perpetual coldness. She's always cold. And in order to make herself warm, she steals heat from other people oh, okay. um, and freezes them to death. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of like wants but can't have what the living have. Yeah. And I do, I do kind of get that because, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's very much like a lot of vampire lore is about, you know, they, they hang around on the peripheries of the light. Yeah. And they want to share in it and they want to see the sun and they want to... But they can't. You know, but they can't. Yeah. So, yeah, I do, I do get so, it. So, yeah, that's, that's basically what your Draugr is. Mm. That's what they're driven by mm. in, in, the, in the sagas when you hear about them, is that they're driven by this jealousy of the living. Yeah. And there has been sort of the research to look at the parallels with Grendel about whether he, he shares so many characteristics of an undead. Yeah. That is he actually a Draugr that they're trying to, uh, you know, Beowulf even wrestles him because his sword won't work. No. And tears off his arm. Yes, he does, that's right. But doesn't he kill him with a sword in the end? Uh, no. He no, he kills his mum. <clears throat> kills his mum. Kills his mum with a sword. Kills his mum with a sword. But the sword is not one he can take down with him. Okay. The sword is one he finds down in the in ah. the near space. In the treasure of the Draugr, basically. So because it's part of her world, it can kill her? 
Yeah. Oh, got you. Okay. So it's a whole different way of looking at Beowulf. It's yeah. It's like, whoa, okay. It's not an encounter with a monster. It's an encounter with a Norse undead story. Mm. So it's a different way of looking at it. Definitely. So I thought, yeah, we'd have a look at Draugr. going to have to do episode six again now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, episode six is just lovely the way it is. <laughs> lovely listeners, if you want to go back and listen to episode six, it's a little bit retro, but it is available online. <laughs> you can go back and listen to it again and go and listen to Big Swords and Anglo-Saxon Disco Balls. If you want to find us online, my name is Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under that name. You can also find me on Twitter at Geetha and Jeans. And if should you want to contact me for any reason, by far the best way of doing it is by sending a message through Suzanne. It will get to me. <laughs> yeah. So we also have Frithcast Pod on Facebook. If mm -hmm. you want to come and hang out on the page for the podcast, you can. If you want to come and hang out on the Discord channel, you can. It's awesome. It holds lovely listeners from around the world all having a talk to each other. And occasionally Kate and I will pop in as well and come and say hi. Or we might have a live chat session. Yeah, I do. I do in there, go in there periodically. It would be lovely to see you. It would. Come and throw us friend requests. Come and say hi. Come and talk to us about this episode or any of the other episodes. We are getting the back catalogue up to their new home. And you can, speak. even if you want to, you can talk about episodes of other people's podcasts if you yeah, like as well. Yeah, that's good too. That's, um, that's all good. You know that that that's fine. We won't be uh, we won't be at all offended. No, or we won't we won't feel even slightly inadequate. We're good for Star Trek, Star Wars, random bits of Viking history, queer stuff, oh, all yeah, yeah, manner yeah. of different things. Come and say hi. Yeah, it'll be all good. Lovely listeners, lock your doors, and do watch out. For the Draugr might come knocking. And we will see you all again, if you're around, for <laughs> episode 93 of Frithcast. Don't that make you feel better? <laughs> oh, yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>